Be prepared to be changed, challenged, awakened, and refreshed. Back by popular demand, Tent Theology is offering another online summer school this August. This summer, we'll be looking at the life and thought of Soren Kierkegaard. It is hosted by me, Stephen Backhaus. I did my doctorate on Kierkegaard and have published a number of books and articles on him. The online course will explore the amazing life and important ideas of this influential 19th century Danish rabble-rouser, who understood more than anyone the difference between being a Christian nationalist and being a follower of Jesus. The course involves discussion, teaching and guided reading. It will take place over the first four Mondays of August 2021. Each session will be based on selected passages, as well as the biography I wrote a few years ago entitled Kierkegaard, A Single Life. All the reading material, including a paperback copy of the book, will be provided. Over the summer, the weeks of reading and discussions proved to be some of the most invigorating weeks I'd experienced in years. And that's saying something since I started skydiving a few years ago. I strongly encourage, without reservation, anyone thinking of taking a 10th theology course to take the jump. For details, prices, and to register, visit the courses page of the Tent Theology website or email info at tenttheology.com. Welcome, fellow traveler. You are now listening to the Tent Theology Podcast. Each week, we have a tent talk where we pursue the renewing of the Christian social and political imagination. Lucy Grimble on the podcast today. Lucy is a singer, songwriter, and music producer. She's also a worship leader at St. Peter's Broccoli in London. But perhaps she's best known for being on the stages at Big Church Day Out, David's Tent, wildfires and other festivals in the UK and in North America. We talked about the difference between being a worship leader and an artist. We talked about living in the public eye and having a public voice and what to do when you're sharing stages with other people using their voice for causes that you cannot support. There are very few things that shape the Christian imagination more than our songs and our music. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Do check out lucygrimble.com for more information about her work and her latest outputs. And do wait till the end of this interview when we play one of her songs. Okay, on with the show. I'm just kind of doing a mixture of things. I mean, life as a, you know, as I'm sure you can relate to, life as a sort of freelance creative yeah. in ministry is quite unpredictable and quite random at times and um so it's, it's hard in, on stages in churches and things you're you're clearly in buildings now yes i mean i mean well we're, we're back at church so i'm okay. worship pastor at my church yeah. and um so we're back in the building there okay. which is great yeah. um and then i've been out and i've done a few events actually um okay. and start the events are starting up again so that is yeah. that's good but I did my first gig yesterday in London. I was my first oh, in cool. person. Yeah. I don't know. I, I wasn't sure whether I really wanted to do it or not, but it, yeah. I did it. So <laughs> what was what was the gig? I was just teaching at uh do you know All Saints Woodford yeah. Wells? So they have a plant, uh, a sister church, which I was invited to speak at. So there were oh, some nice. All Saints people there and then there were some other people from this church plant. Yeah. Oh, There's about 40 people in the room all staring back at you with their masks. It was really Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Try leading worship to a silent room. Oh, I felt so <laughs> bad for the poor guy who was trying to... He, he played a couple of songs and it was just him singing. Uh, yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> poor guy. I know. It's completely different. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just funny. It's like life doesn't feel particularly linear. It doesn't feel like you're really kind of going anywhere. Like, for me, life just feels like a series of random events which i probably yeah. look back on and they seem to make more sense in hindsight but right. like going through them does feel a bit like what am i doing today um but i enjoy it i i really enjoy it i so. mean are you would you be bored to talk about lockdown i i am genuinely interested in i know that we we all talk about it all the time off yeah. camera or off mic but it might be good to to find out yeah. what, what life is like 
as somebody who's leading groups of people or how yeah. lockdown has changed your your understanding of things your, yeah your sense of yeah worship definitely. as well so definitely. i mean because uh, certainly i've really changed my i was knocked out of the habit of big groups of people yeah and it was kind of a mindless habit in a way and i, I actually yeah don't, i actually don't mind that it, it I changed know. my i know but I know, our like livelihoods I'm... you and me our livelihoods are based on being in rooms groups lots of people, people. <laughs> so what happens when you don't when you realize groups of people wasn't such a good idea i know i'm i've been invited to do like a big a big festival in the summer and i'm a bit like mm, yeah don't know, don't know if i want to do it and yeah. you know not for not not only for like spiritual reasons but i just think um you know personally i've i've definitely become a lot more introverted and a lot more just yeah. really happy with small things okay. um really yeah. content in that place so yeah it's going to be it's going to be an interesting transition back now so much change yeah well it's tiring Tra change is tiring well let's let's get into it i thank you yeah. so much for agreeing to be recorded i really appreciate that you're that you're here i i don't quite know where you came from i mean where are you now <laughs> and where did how did you get there so right now where are you calling uh talking to me from what room I'm is this that you're in well i'm in i'm in a tiny corner of my bedroom okay. um as probably lots of your listeners can relate to having to do things in you know yeah. just random corners of the house um in my flat in camberwell southeast okay. london okay so how did you get to a tiny bedroom corner in camberwell <laughs> london well you weren't I mean, born in a in a corner I, of a room in camberwell london i, you, I wasn't i was born in a room in north london somewhere in hampstead garden suburb Very good. um so i'm a londoner through and through born and raised in north london yeah. and then um where in north london my wife is islington where where are you from oh, okay i'm a bit further north in finchley yeah brilliant so, okay yeah. yeah i know finchley yeah north good. london girl through and through okay. um but then i made the big leap south of the river um mm -hmm. about 15 years ago and then i've been here ever since was educated went through school went to university went to cambridge and read geography took uh, some time out went over to bethel for a year did school of supernatural ministry came back got a job in corporate pr and then okay. i worked in corporate pr for like 10 years through that whole time i was leading worship at my church and then i started to get invited to lead worship in different places different events yeah. different churches and gatherings and i also started to record and release worship music okay um and it sort of got to the point where i just felt more and more like that was the thing that i should pursue um so two and a half years ago i left my job in corporate land mm -hmm. and went full-time into songwriting and ministry and leading worship and traveling around and doing that yeah um so yeah i don't know if that specifically answers your question How does that, like what happened to the can you tell us a little, tell me a little bit what happened when the difference when you went from being a what would we call it a part-time professional christian to being a full-time professional christian <laughs> <laughs> you oh, went from gosh. being a tent maker to being a, a a christian trademark christian right exactly i know like a, a professional christian i know it's so, I, I really struggle with the idea, to be honest. I mean, I think I... Mean, I... From one professional Christian to another, we we're, we can talk about this, right? We both earn our living. Yeah, by exactly. Being Christian, right? So, exactly. Yeah, go on. It definitely felt like obedience, leaving my job and going full time oh, okay. um, into kind of ministry and stuff. It was quite a scary move because overnight my salary, like, plummeted. Right. And I was like, okay, God, I, I really don't know what the what this path looks like you know i'm i'm sort of um in terms of like the world of professional christians i'm i'm pretty like small fry and this does just feel like a bit of a leap of faith but one that i feel convicted to take you know i do love getting to lead people in worship i do really love um getting to encourage people and i love that my life revolves around encouragement exhortation you know um mm -hmm building people up in faith in worship like I love that that is my life now um compared to my life before where I really was in a, a job that I was good at but I had no passion for right. and 
it was just I just felt like if I'm still in this job in five ten years I I think I'm just going to look back on those five ten years with regret whereas at least now I'm like it all the stuff I do you know really brings me alive and it feels meaningful and it feels very full of purpose mm-hmm. um I mean in terms of being like a paid professional Christian you know I, I have issues with it myself I am yeah. you know that is my livelihood that's where I kind of earn money and I think I've had to go through a lot of internal wrestles about like you know is that right is that I think you just have to really check your heart in it to kind of because because there is a pressure to you know keep the lights on pay the bills and you don't want that pressure to make you compromise and I think that is the internal struggle for me just like really trying to keep my heart pure before God and trying to keep my integrity and just really preserve that because that is the thing that sustains you and when you start to kind of compromise to be like okay well I'll just do that for the money or I'll just do that Mm. because of xyz that's where Mm. I think you can just like very gradually start to shift and be led by things that aren't like the Holy Spirit or aren't um what god is really saying well there's no there's no shortage of we don't have to name names but there's no shortage of high profile professional christians who have come to some sticky ends in in within this last year and just always i mean it's a tale all this time right and yeah i do wonder how do you do that i mean you say you got to guard your heart and that's easy to say Mm -hmm. but like the life of of being a leader a public having a public persona a, a brand or a trademark as it were uh, yeah can also be very corrosive and very yeah trapping it can trap you right and yeah I, th- I think a lot of these so-called high profile um moral failings or whatever it is that we've seen in people is a lot of it has to do with just the, the kind of professional trap that they were in right that they're kind of boxed into a certain persona i yeah i totally i think it just becomes a um it becomes a train that they can't get off right of which they have they've been complicit in you know they've kept saying yes to it but also then it's just become bigger than them and it's you know it's been what has driven them and I have like a huge amount of compassion for that actually because I think that must actually be a really horrible situation to be in where you know it's a mixture of like you feel like your hand is forced but also you don't know how to stop it and you don't know if like coming out in in public with whatever the issue that you're going through is going to completely make this world that you have built collapse like that actually must be very a fearful place to live yeah you know there's that whole saying I can't remember which rapper said it like don't get high on your own supply right and I think it's like it's um it's about staying humble and not believing the hype about yourself because people say like all sorts of crazy things especially in a Christian arena where everyone is like full of encouragement and full of like positive things to say yeah you know people are like constantly building you up and constantly hyping you up yeah and so I think it's just really like treating those kind of comments soberly um there's a beautiful just in like in terms of worship and like where I'm directing my where I'm directing my heart there's this beautiful um analogy of like you know compliments and encouragement are like people giving you flowers throughout the day and then you have this bouquet at the end of the day and it's Mm -hmm. like what do you do with that bouquet and I I think it's like always just trying to give that bouquet back to God and realizing like the glory belongs to him so yeah I don't know you know I'm not saying that I've not ever fallen into that trap of being like I'm a big deal and you know and have you ever said do you know who I am in any situation? I I I'm, I haven't, Stephen. No, <laughs> <laughs> not yet. There's always time, though. And I think it's like you know these these big high profile failures should be reminders for us all to like, yeah. you know, go with fear and trepidation. Like you know, have a sober judgment of yourself because like nobody is immune from that. Like yeah. I don't care who you are, like and what level of profile you are. It's just like some people's falls are greater, but all of us are prone to falling. So I think it's just letting those be cautionary tales and not looking at people like that and thinking, Oh, I would never do that because actually you probably would if you're in their position. So just don't judge them. Just like look at your own life. I I mean, I'm also very, I just now quickly realized there's two different types of high profile people that we're talking about. One is there are some high profile people like Ravi Zacharias who are actual sexual predators and, and really hurt people's lives. And I'm not talking, that's one group of people. I am interested in perhaps the other group, like we have a few high profile Christian leaders who um, they're not damaging people, they're not being criminal, but they Mm. are rethinking their position, but they're in a public Mm. life and they're having to rethink what they think about God or 
the Trinity or hell or all these sort of uh, yeah. Christian check marks that they're supposed yeah. to check against their their name. Yeah. And they don't check all the same boxes that they used to check before they mm. became uh, leaders. Mm. How, that's that's a different type of person. And so we're not talking about um, like moral failure. You're talking yeah, about we're not talking about of... people being hurt. We're talking about yeah. how do you how do you navigate that kind of thing when you when you are trying to lead us a whole group of people, but you yourself are trying to be honest to who you are. Yeah. What kind of world is that like? Yeah, that's that's a big one. So more more like a kind of some form of deconstruction of a set of beliefs that you've held. Is that is that what you're, yeah, you're referring can, to? I mean, I personally know that I know of many people who uh, who perhaps have earned their living by being teachers or mm. speakers. Mm. And then but and they know that there there are some subjects they're not allowed to to admit that they don't know about or that they've changed their mind on. Yeah. And if they did say that publicly, then that would hurt their, yeah. I mean, talk about council culture. The Christians are the biggest counseling cultures that are oh, going and that they will instantly yeah. ruin your career or burn your books yeah. or whatever. If, if you say the wrong thing about, about yeah. whatever subject, uh, do you have a, do you have a sense of, um, of, of how to navigate those changes? How do you grow as a, mm. as a thinker when you also have a reputation to, to uphold yeah i mean i i guess i can only speak for myself and i'm actually i um i'm fairly private about issues mm -hmm. um i'm i'm public about what i think about jesus but in terms of kind of what i would i think this has been mm. this this year is like particularly highlighted this to me in terms of like just really kind of trying to distinguish between what is um what is kingdom and what is just christian culture so mm -hmm. what are the issues that you're actually willing to die in a ditch over and what are the issues right. that are just sort of a product of your upbringing or your culture or where you were born in the world or what kind of family you were born into and that kind of thing so yeah. i think i i have tried not to wade in on too many issues because i'm always like you know, would I actually be prepared to back this? Like, and if I'm not, then why do I have a dog in the fight? Like opinions are cheap and they are so mm -hmm. like, they're so common. And, and actually I think in all of the noise and all of the kind of debate and the polemic, which actually I try and really stay out of, cause I just personally, I find it really challenging. Like I just find it actually very stress inducing, but also I just don't see a lot of, um, a lot of light coming from it. So I just try and stay on what I would see as the main thing. But even within that, like what I see as the main thing has shifted over the years. And, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's morphed and changed. And, um, but yeah, I think I just, I try and have those conversations with people that I actually know and who know me and who I trust yeah. and where there's like a level of like doing life together. And yeah, I try not to have those conversations in public because I just have never seen it go well. Yeah, I've not right. seen a healthy conversation no. on social media. Like I've just not, and I just think whatever, however wise, however you know, compassionate, you know, however healthy you are. Like I just don't know if that's the right forum for those kind of conversations. I don't know if that's answered your question. So um, when you are, I mean, you're somebody who does show up. I was going to say uh, in in rooms with, in front of lots of people, but perhaps after lockdown, that's going to change. We'll talk about yeah. that in a second. But yeah. What kind of, how do you hold the responsibility? Like when you've got people cheering and shouting or crying or praying, I mean, you, you are responsible for something going on in that room or you're part of something going on in that room. Yeah. And you're also aware that some things that are going on in that room might have more to do with a spectacle. Yeah. Right. And it's not that you created it, but you are aware that it's there in the room. Yeah, definitely. Have you ever have you ever had to dismantle your own celebrity or your own responsibility in the room? Uh, or influence in the room? Such a good question. Um, yes, I have actually. I don't. I. It, I think it for me. It's like a sense. Like I can feel when people are just looking at the stage. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's like intuition or just I don't know if that's like a spiritual sense or what, but I can feel when the eyes are on me and they're not on 
right something bigger yeah. and so there's been times where i've just i've like stopped all the music and i've just been like we're just going to be silent just everyone you know however you want to respond in this moment but like this is about god and we want to listen to him and we want to you know hear him so yeah there's been times where i've been like we need to stop this train <laughs> because yeah. it's just like i don't know i don't like where it's going so yeah and you and you do feel it like it i i think that is for me that is the dark side like i i I mean, going forward now, I think I'm actually going to change this. But, you know, when you do a festival and then you're signing CDs and people yeah. come and they want to have a photo with you. Yeah. I actually just don't think I'm going to do that anymore because yeah. it's it's really sweet. And it's lovely that I might have influenced like a young girl and she's looking at me and thinking, I love the way yeah. you worship. But actually, I don't you know, she doesn't need a picture of me on her, her wall or she doesn't need a picture of me in her phone. And I, for yeah. me, that just plays into that celebrity culture so yeah. much. It's just really like i don't know it's just replicating that um i mean so you took this, a decision yeah. not to put your picture on your latest album is that right yeah the cover doesn't feature you looking yeah looking artistic on the cover it, it, <laughs> <laughs> moodily staring off into space black and white photo <laughs> yeah no that was and that was a very conscious point uh, yeah. conscious choice because the whole album is about um i mean the the, the through line of the whole album is uh is the cross you know it's, it's right. jesus um it's the crucifixion and what that means for our lives so i i needed an idea that was bigger than me you know like i'm i'm not going to encapsulate right. that the, like the wonder and the grandeur right. and the enormity of salvation and redemption so i was like actually having me on the cover is going to cheapen this idea and it's right. gonna it's also going to display the wrong image so you know what we ended up with was um a sort of montage of all of the different illustrations for each song so right. each song we had a sort of i had an illustrator um try and encapsulate it kind of like iconography or sort of old stained glass windows where they'd have sort of a simple image just to encapsulate every complex yeah. thought right so that's what we had for each single and then the album cover ended up being like a montage of all of those illustrations sort of mm -hmm. to show it's almost like a chocolate box of ideas i guess a kaleidoscope um, multifaceted exactly yeah how do you um, how do you uh think of yourself i are you thinking of yourself as a an artist as a worship like what is is a worship leader an artist what happens when those two combine yeah like i was going to ask you when when you when you quit your job as a in pr were you mm. doing it for creative reasons or for pastoral reasons it's a good really good question and i think it for me it's a mixture of both some people really have issues with the word artist and um, okay. so i know some worship festivals don't even refer to their the people that are coming as artists because they think that that is okay you know that's a wrong word oh is that's... this the sound of a can of worms opening I, have i have i opened up a <laughs> a controversy and i didn't even know i've stepped you have Stephen, as you so often do um <laughs> so artists i didn't realize that was a controversial yeah, word i thought it is. worship a... was the controversial word so i guess oh right it, it depends on the festival, but okay. there's there's some, I mean, some certain festivals that are very much geared around, this is worship to the Lord, then, you know, artist is, is off limits because artist is, then that's again, attention on the person. It's not attention on God. Okay. Whereas there's other festivals where it's like, no, you're coming to see artists. Like we're coming to like celebrate and have fun in the presence of God, but we're going to do it through great art. We're going to do yeah. it through great music. So I'm actually, I'm actually ambivalent. Like it doesn't bother me the word artist because artistry is sacred and artistry is profound and powerful and it can be such an incredible tool for yeah. communicating not just communicating the gospel but just celebrating what god has put inside of us the you know the creativity the color the you know all the all the elements of him that are inside of us i think art, art is so powerful at expressing so i personally feel, don't have an issue with it have you noticed is there a pressure sometimes to to take your own personality out of the thing you're producing yes and i i don't because i i don't right. think that's i just don't think that's um i don't think that's right right i think that's actually like part of the problem with a lot of worship music <laughs> is that people feel they need to take themselves out of it but i think right. it's you know it's it's co-creation it's it's god and us and it's all the indi individual elements within us it's all the unique ways that god has made us glorifying god that brings something in my view that is so precious and so so powerful 
you know when I see it when I go to a gig it doesn't have to be a worship gig it can be any gig but when I go to a gig and I see someone on stage fully leaning into who they are I love that and I feel like that glorifies God yeah um so I think there is space for that in worship um I think it all comes down to the posture of your heart and who you are trying to get glory for you know you can be yourself and still want God to have all the glory and I think that's the right that's the tension that we're trying to yeah. occupy in worship. I mean, this leads to the other, because I, I thought the word worship would have been the one that was attracting, uh, maybe not controversy, but conversation. Okay. Rather than artists. I didn't think of artists being controversial, but for me, it's, it's the That's idea interesting. that worship, you're a worship leader. And then there's lots of people going, well, but it's not just singing. It's not just sung music in, in a room isn't, isn't, the only ways to worship, right? How, what kind of conversation is being had about the idea of worship in your circles? Well, that, I mean, I think that's a much more valid conversation personally. Um, this idea of, yeah, song worship, having the ownership on worship. Um, yeah. And I, think I, I know some people who say that, they say, oh, I'm not a worship leader, I'm a music, I'm a music leader, I'm a music director. Oh, interesting. And worship includes there's lots of things that are worshiping in our service. Yeah. I'm just part of the, the bit that has to do with music worship, but yeah. there's lots of other worship. I like that. I like that distinction. I think that's a needed distinction because I, I do think that, I do think that song worship has sort of gained this monopoly over expressions of worship, which has probably made us neglect other incredibly important forms of worship that are so on the heart of God. Mm -hmm you know, issues of justice, issues of how you just treat people. Um, you know, church, church, I guess, has um, very much galvanized around sung worship, and that has sort of become the most important part of the service. So yeah, sung worship has sort of risen up the ranks of importance, I guess, in terms of church expression. Yeah. Um, but you're right. And I love that. I mean, I don't know where you're having those conversations, but I love that those are the conversations you're having. <laughs> I didn't even mean it. I'm not even meaning it as a, as a critique. I'm just saying like, yeah, we are in this world where the, when you say I'm a worship leader. Yeah. Everyone immediately understands that that means that you're a musician. Right. Whereas, whereas I can see some people going, yeah, but worship is being quiet by yourself. It's reading. Right right reading with intent it's uh preaching as well as you can like surely those yeah. could be worship as well so but yeah. i guess that's the world you're in do you think of yourself as a thought leader i mean you talked about justice you talked about leading people's uh, imagining like getting people to imagine things differently uh, has, has that ever yeah. become an intentional part of your outlook um it has at very specific points so kind of a recent example was um a music video I released to accompany a song that was on my album. Mm -hmm. um, it's a song called Clean. Um, mm -hmm. It's a song that's about redemption. And when I was sort of thinking about how I wanted the music video to look or, you know, what the kind of theme of the music video was going to be, I kind of, I just had like a thought, you know, it wasn't, um, it wasn't so much, this is redemption. It was more like, what if we thought about redemption in these terms? Okay. So what if this was a way to think about redemption? So I wasn't trying to say this is the answer. I was just saying, how about we consider it like this? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the imagery and the video is all around. Essentially, God is like a gardener and um, sowing seeds in our lives and redemption being this incredible incredibly powerful and beautiful way in which God can make seed grow even from like broken ground or parts of our heart where we're you know full of shame or where we've you know we feel like we've messed things up or we feel like oh gosh God can never do anything there because I have done x mm -hmm. and actually God is like no if you just let me into that place I can make something totally miraculous and beautiful grow so it was this idea of you know being clean in the eyes of God, not being perfect, but being yielded and being willing for him to work in your heart. Um, I think I sort of grew up with an image of being clean as being perfect. And, you right. know, right. when God makes you clean, it's like it's like a whiteboard and he just sort of rubs everything off and he starts again. Right. But in, but in that, I think as I've grown, I'm like, but actually there's so much history and there's so much memory and there's so much, yeah. you know, if we really do believe that God is with us in all things, if we really do believe that he is like, 
the savior that walks alongside us and that we walk alongside him like then you've just erased like a whole chunk of that right beautiful um companionship that you've had through through yeah. those maybe like more messy times of life or whatever so actually like me me learning to see redemption as like god going back into our history and actually being like i'm gonna i'm gonna draw something beautiful out of that i'm gonna draw life out of that if god is life like he can he can go in, into anywhere and you know make life happen so mm-hmm. yeah i think that's it's a subtle it's a subtle distinction but it's been an important distinction for me and so and in and in that i definitely felt like okay i definitely felt like i'm i'm putting forward it's probably not an, a novel thought in fact it's not a novel thought but it's I was like, I'm adding to this body of thinking around redemption in this way. Well, I was thinking it's one of those times where I'm, I'm glad that we didn't, we didn't leave the idea of redemption in the hands of the pointy headed academic theologian. Right. I'm glad that we actually, <laughs> I'm glad that you put your spin on it. Actually, I'm also very glad. I love this video, the, the video for clean. I'm glad that you decided not to take yourself out of this one. This was a time your, your image is actually very front and center. And right. this is a brilliant image of you with like, potting soil on your white on your white yeah, skirt yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's the image of being clean but with muddy hands and, exactly and it, there's something really this would be such a good example i think of like letting creative people loose on a theological mm. idea mm. is actually a really good thing to do because yeah. a, a theologian with their original greek and their tomes of books might not come up with yeah a girl with muddy skirt right as an example of being clean Uh, and i just so i i was very glad to see that yeah that no yeah art art is it's just so powerful um i you know i can just think some of the some of the most profound moments i've had with god have been through art or through um creative expressions and i'm so thankful that that is in the toolkit and i think it needs to be celebrated and who are, who are your who are your artists who are your people that you that you look to who makes who makes lucy grimble's heart go pitter patter oh well i am a big fan of charlie mackesy okay um i don't know if you know that he's an english um illustrator uh, yes, but yes. one of his first pieces actually which i just stood and stood in front of and stared at for like 20 minutes is a piece in st paul's hammersmith um and it's a representation of the prodigal son yes i um, used to go to st paul's hammersmith so i know I oh know really okay well, okay yeah. cool and it's very it's very sort of climped like you know it's all yeah. sort of gold um kind of it's mainly a gold picture but just the empathy in that in that piece is like you can feel it you feel the embrace you feel the emotion so yeah big fan of charlie i mean i'm i'm also a big fan of sort of american expressionists modern modern expressionists so i'm i'm a big fan of like streaks on canvas open to your interpretation feel what you want to feel yeah in music i'm you know i grew up on classical music so i I still listen to a lot of classical and choral music um which just you know the lamb by tavner still reduces me to tears every time i listen to it just because of like the choice of notes is just yeah off the charts it's sublime so yeah that's a that's a that's a selection. Do you listen to to worship music, or are That's you too busy question. making it? I'm not asking you to name names, yeah. but I, unless, uh, unless you want to. <laughs> I used to listen to a lot more worship music than I do now. Let's yeah. put it that way. I guess not to be. How do I answer this nicely, or just you know in a way that's honouring? <laughs> hey, if we um, if we agree ahead of time that we all uh, bear no actual ill will against individual human beings, but we are aware that. Yeah various cultures are perhaps less than fruitful yes yeah yeah well i think it, i think it kind of actually comes back to your thing of like worship uh, like the word worship having this monopoly over sung worship and yeah. i think for me it's probably more indicative of a sh- an internal shift in me where the word worship has expanded in my life right. so the ways yeah. in which i worship god are much much broader now than just sung worship so I think I used to listen to a lot more worship because for me that was worshiping God (laughs) so I would have you know worship albums on all the time and for me that would be like oh look I'm worshiping God because I'm listening to a worship album whereas now it just looks very different so I think the worship music I do listen to is a much more intentional choice and uh I just I like good music I like Mm -hmm. creative music and so 
unfortunately it's sometimes hard to find yeah. really good music within the worship space I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll be honest um or something that sounds distinctive or sounds authentic yeah. to the person I, I do struggle sometimes to find that but there are a few um that i that i love that yeah. i genuinely love yeah um so. I, I mean the last four years or so have been pretty it's been brutal on my music so <laughs> i've deleted a lot of things from my from my iphone now right because of because not because of the individual lyrics or the words but because i've realized the people singing them or the people who wrote who are making money off these songs mm. are not good people or they're not mm. producing good and fruitful cultures mm -hmm. so i'm talking specifically obviously about kind of american nationalism yeah i mean how how do you do you, what what do you do you share stages with people like that how do you navigate those kinds of things when you are aware that there's i don't know yeah. i don't know even know how we how we talk about this i'm not trying to ask you to name and shame yeah. individuals but like i have the luxury of just saying i don't want bethel music anymore right. i don't like i don't like the leadership of that culture right but you don't have that luxury mm. presumably mm. Do you ever have these? Yeah, I mean, I mean, no. Yeah, it's it's very much on my mind now. I think, especially coming out of lockdown, which has seen an eruption, you know, in the whole Trump and the BLM summer, yeah. and um, so I think now I'm having to face those those uh, questions and choices. I'm being invited to things by leaders who've been overtly yeah in one camp which i which makes me very uncomfortable and i think it's i think it's really tricky water to navigate because like you're saying earlier cancel culture for me is is toxic and it's so mm. not christ you know mm -hmm. i just don't see i mean correct me if i'm wrong but i just don't see jesus canceling right entire people i think i think he cancels ideologies mm -hmm. you know i think he says that's not of the kingdom mm -hmm. I just don't see him cancelling people and I think when you know everything is so relational everything is um you know I know most of these leaders I have relationship I have a friendship with them so it's not mm -hmm. just a case of like a cold call from a ministry that is like overtly like you know Trump supporting or whatever right. or whatever the issue might be so it is I find it really I find it really tricky like how do you do relationship well in that and how do you not just um like write people off and how do you still have grace and how do you yeah so I, I think that is a very live issue to me right now um one that I'm just trying to process well <laughs> yeah so I, I don't actually think I have answers but I have a heightened very heightened awareness of it and there are certain people that I would not share the stage with mm -hmm. definitely but yeah like you're saying sometimes you don't have that choice because you're like one in the lineup of like 20 and so yeah, what right. are you supposed to do in that situation when one of the 20 is someone that you have yeah. like deep grievances with in, in terms of what they've come out and said and what they've stood for and what they've said that Jesus is all about. And so, yeah, it's, I, sorry, I'm probably giving a very no, rambly no, vague I, answer, but we, we've, we've been put right at the pointy end of a lot of this. This is where the, mm. the political imagination of our cultures has finally sort of come out into the open, I guess. Yeah. And there is a sort of a dividing line, right? Yeah, but probably actually even, you know, on a deeper level than that, I think another thought I've been having is just, okay, so why do I need to do that event? Which I think comes back to the whole, like, okay. when you're a professional, you know, worship leader, yeah. this is your livelihood. Yeah. So I think it's even just, I, th I think I come down now to the point of like, okay, God, is this an event I need to do? And if it is, then I'll have, I'll have to have some conversations with people I have to have some grown-up conversations but I think it's it's not just working on the assumption that oh someone asked me to do it therefore I should do it you know it's just I think it's just yeah. questioning everything you do and why and obviously like you're going to get that wrong sometimes sometimes you're just tired and you're like oh I'll just do it you know like you, you don't make the decision from like a, the best place but I think it's just right. trying your best to like bring those decisions before God ask what he thinks if he's got a green light on it then then go for it and just have be willing to have those grown-up conversations has this year of lockdown sort of helped in that regard i mean what, taking your 
foot off the pedal or your hamster off the wheel or whatever it is we talk about. <laughs> I always talk about myself as being a hamster that was on a wheel and that I had to stop and I realized, oh yeah, I've been doing my, stuff. My, my analogy is I'm, I'm a truffle pig. Okay. I'm like one of those pigs that hunts for truffles. That's like my default. I'm always wanting to do a task. <laughs> is that the next album? That's a good album. Lucy Grimble, Truffle Pig. <laughs> the Truffle Pig at Jesus' feet. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, so you, 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 this year of lockdown has made you what be more of a truffle pig or less of one <laughs> um i'm i'm much more conscious of being a truffle pig um okay. i'm working on it oh i think i think i mean i i look at this last year i, I feel like i've been deeply unproductive you know right. lots of friends have been bashing out lockdown albums yeah i have not no. Um, I mean, I, I obviously released an album, but that was all written and pre-recorded, all recorded pre-pandemic. So yeah. I've been like a very, um, I think I've been a sad truffle pig, if I'm honest. Really? You know, I've been wanting to be truffling, but I've not been able to. I've, yeah. um, I've felt extremely unmotivated, extremely uncertain about so much. Um, you know, just it, it's just felt like a year of like an age of uncertainty for me like mm -hmm. on so many levels so many big things unraveling yeah I mean just I mean in the world and in the world of um Christendom which I you know I'm so passionate about you know I, I really am mm. so moved by what what goes on in the global church and what goes on in in Christianity so in in many ways it's been it's just been a very sad year mm -hmm. I've I've really found it sad and that's okay like it's okay to have seasons of of deep sadness um and like in that place i've not felt like this compulsion to write that into songs i've actually felt like hmm. i don't know what to say right now god and i need you to help me i need i need to just listen to you and i need to be with you um and to try and find you again you know hmm. um i was talking to my friend a dear friend the other day and we were talking about this scripture in um John where it talks about you know unless a steed falls to the ground and dies like it it doesn't bear new fruit and he was talking about you know when Jesus died and then was resurrected like the disciples didn't recognize him yeah, you know yeah. like the road to Emmaus or like I think it's Mary who meets Mary him first too, and thinks yeah. he's the, the gardener and um he's like when stuff dies like sometimes you don't recognize it and it's like if God you know not that God dies but like if if an idea of God dies like mm -hmm. you're gonna have to find him again because he's gonna you know maybe look different and I think that has been this year for me it's like so many imaginations of God or images of God for me have died and have mm -hmm. have been like I that just I I can't um think of that narrative anymore and I need a new one I need to find you a fresh God or your image like my idea of you has to grow bigger than what is going on in the world. So that for me has been the last I want year. To, I want to <laughs> dwell on this a little bit longer. What, what, what would be an example of one of your narratives of God that has died? And then I want to find out what new thing is taking its place. But what is yeah. one thing that's died? You know, the, the image of the always victorious God or, you know, this idea of the victorious God in the way that we want him to be victorious you know, big abstract God uh, that we, that, you know, I've sung about for years mm. um, where he's sort of, he is more of an abstract idea. He is, you know, he is power. He is love. Yeah. He is yeah. like the thunder in the clouds. He right, is the right. rushing, whooshing river in the hills, you know, yeah. and which I used to love because I was like, oh, it's just, you know, it's power. It's, it's freedom. It's like, God is just this amazing force mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that has not worked for me like in times of crisis we reach for something solid you know mm -hmm. we, we need something that we can actually wrap our knuckles around mm -hmm. just the image of jesus has come absolutely mm -hmm. front and center for me you know yeah. god, incarnational god i guess and yeah. jesus on the cross more more importantly like yeah. that for me is the moment that's that is our that's the moment where god becomes human and we are invited into the divine so i think yeah, I think just abstract, all powerful, everything's going to be all right, kind of God. I mean, everything is going to be all right with God. Let's. I'm not. I'm not like saying that, but it's. It's not just like everything in your life is going to. I'm not going to cancel you. You can say what you want. Oh, you're so there'll sweet. be no angry pitchforks outside your house. <laughs> so yeah, I think abstract God has become a lot more, 
like flesh and bones God yeah. for me in in person of Jesus, and yeah. that has become absolutely dead central for me. It's funny how not funny, but it's interesting how you are not actually the first musician songwriter I've spoken to who who really wants to try and find a way to to put um, lament or sitting with sadness. Yeah. Uh, to find a space, a way to talk about that, and then mm-hmm. and also how difficult that is on a typical mm. worship album or in a worship space. Yeah. But uh, how, what's your experience of, of dealing with lament or waiting or death? Have you got ways to yeah. do that? Have you got an artistic outlet for that? Um, yeah. I mean, I I have written quite a few lament songs, um, or at least you know songs from songs from the valley mm. um one of one of one of my favorite songs actually is um a song called still i will praise which i wrote with a friend of mine bianca who's you know she's a singer in the mainstream but you know beautiful beautiful heart of worship as well um and we wrote this song called still i will praise both of us found ourselves in a very dry place in a place where we were like god are you still speaking um we can't quite hear you basically the the gist of the song is um you know that there is a form there is there is a song that we can only sing to god from earth like when we are mm-hmm. on the other side mm-hmm. and he will wipe every tear away like our song is going to sound different so actually mm-hmm. there is something so precious about the song that we choose to sing to god in moments of um hardship or crisis or loss or betrayal or whatever it is mm-hmm. um that i think is so precious to to the heart of god because it's mm-hmm. there is such a conscious decision to praise God in those moments so um we were just sort of talking about that and and the song always resolves you know the chorus that it comes back to you after these sort of verses of lament of like you know um where a song feels so costly and where we're worshiping from the barren place you know the the resolve is always but still I will praise still I will praise even in this oh lord still I will praise so it is you know it for me that is that is maturity like that is that is a hallmark of Christian maturity that is like you know, yet I will praise God in these moments. I mean, I, I have a lot of thoughts on lament. I think one thing is I don't think people always connect with their sadness, or at least they don't want to admit it. And right. I say that because I myself do that a lot. Like, right. I think there's been so much denial of like, I, am I actually sad? And then actually getting to, you know, I think in church, often sadness is seen as a um spiritual flaw <laughs> yeah right. you know like if if god was really at work in your life you wouldn't be sad yeah right right which i think is such a lie i think for me it's been a place of really learning to sit with my sadness and be okay with that and still invite god into into that and not reject it and be like okay god when i'm happy i will come back to you um or when i don't feel this heaviness i'll i'll come back to you but actually right inviting him into that place and and letting him do something in that place so i think one thing is that i think there's just a huge amount of denial in church um and a huge amount of kind of i guess um ostracizing sadness and just like trying to shove it out and not not be in that place but i think a lot of people are sad and i think that the pandemic has really lifted a lid on that i think it's Mm -hmm. lifted a lid on a lot of deep historic sadness in people's lives which has really come to the surface now and i'm like great let's invite god into that and Mm -hmm. let's not be afraid of that so yeah i mean i mean you and i both have been in uh, in environments or come from environments which have a very high value for speaking words of life like thinking of prophetic words as like you speak truth over someone and you speak health yeah. or goodness over someone and, and yeah. how you speak, then that becomes real kind of thing. And, yeah. and of course, what comes from that is lots and lots of lovely, encouraging words, mm-hmm. but also an inability to admit sadness. Yeah. Right. Or even that a fear of if you say that you are sad, then you will make it true. You are somehow yeah. partnering with a lie and all this kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And we've kind of pushed that out of our, uh, ability to even yeah. name some of these things that we're doing that yeah. we're feeling yeah yeah out of fear but that we're somehow making it worse by talking about it exactly yeah um which i just think is i think is dangerous and you know i think you only have to look at like the mental health crisis yeah to see i mean it, it will it will find its way out you know yeah. and if it can't find its way out in church that's a problem 
Well, I think I it think... works its way out as Trump support. <laughs> I think that. Well, I mean, that's a joke. But like, I think I think repressed inability to deal with with the the, the shit in your life actually yeah. just works itself out as fear and anger and anxiety. Right. It works itself out as sort of tribalist. You you push everything uh, onto another group, mm. which you then fear and hate. Mm. And it's nationalism or tribalism, right? Right. You, you don't deal with it yourself. You don't yeah. take the log out of your own eye. Yeah. You're always worried about the thing on uh, the other people have. Yeah. And um, and you're you're so intent on yeah kind of keeping your little group pure and pretending like everything's really right with it. Yeah. But it, it, that repression does actually create some real dysfunction. Have yeah. you explored that? Because that's a fascinating. Well, yeah, I mean, it would be the kind of um, psychology of the group or of the crowd, the in-group mm. and the out-group. Mm. It would be part of looking at what the New Testament is doing mm. when it when the people who wrote the New Testament are trying to trying to form good groups, trying to form yeah. the ecclesia well. Yeah, they're trying to find language to describe how we could be fellow travelers w pulling together in a certain direction without also yeah. being um, an angry righteous group who's fearful and huddled against other gr right angry groups right right uh, and that would be that that kind of log in your own eye yeah. don't don't deal with your own stuff first that kind of idea would be part of that mm. of the psychology of a healthy group as opposed to an unhealthy group yeah yeah i mean you mentioned it a little bit when yeah. you talked about uh having to fight that temptation you had of saying like i'll only approach god when i've dealt with my sadness then i'll be able to to be in in the presence of god yeah um and that's that would be this idea that comes from um it, it, do you know who richard beck is have you ever come across richard beck he's I actually a, no. a future guest on the podcast oh cool he wrote a brilliant he's a social psychologist he wrote a brilliant book called um unclean hmm. which actually come to think of it you yeah. might really like <laughs> uh, and it's all about the the kind of um the the, the mechanism of disgust and impurity and and what that does to groups how, how groups form themselves around trying to expel mm. anything they feel is bad and feel like you can't be part of us if there's anything wrong with you mm. and as soon as something's wrong with you then you can't be part of this group anymore yeah. of course you internalize that as well and it means you can't approach god until you think everything is clean in you already yeah, yeah. and he's just looking at that and he's saying well actually the earliest church dismantled a lot of that feeling mm. of impurity and and mm. they were forming groups of people who weren't clean yeah and they were deliberately fighting the temptation to resist or to reject impurity they had to deliberately yeah. embrace impurity yeah which is quite an, a, a radical and anarchic I idea i love right? that i just i just love that i love that so much because i i just think it just hurts me so much it makes me feel really sad that anyone would feel like they can't come to a church because of who they are or because of the life mm. choices they're making mm -hmm. i think church should be the safest place on earth i think it should be the most welcoming and embracing place on earth yeah. and i don't know i just see i just think we put ideology we just we make ideology almost like the highest thing or or kind of um you know the whole like th th what we discussed on the on the course that you um that you did which is was so amazing Stephen. i just have to say for, for listeners moment, but... i i did a, a course on the politics of worship which yeah is, which is how i met lucy for the first time it was amazing but that whole you know well this is the way we do things around here and the whole like, in out thing and yeah i just it just makes me really sad that you'd ever have a conversation with someone and they'd they'd, they'd feel that they're not welcome because of x y or z thing going on in their life but it's hugely challenging you know i go to a i'm in an anglican church um so a lot of the i guess the cultural do you call them cultural or ideological norms are mm -hmm. sort of dictated from above mm -hmm. um i mean i think vicars have a certain amount of control but you know there's there's so many crosswinds i just i was just talking with actually a friend of mine who was also on your politics of praise um uh, talk the other day and we were both saying we would not want to be church leaders right because the things that have to go through their heads is just it's just huge and I, yeah. I just wonder like how how do we build church that is um that just I guess isn't so political small p political 
yeah or institutionalized i mean when you are an anglican like any like any like any uh, or ordained or, or clergy in some of these mm. mainline institutional churches you are also a almost like a cu uh, curator in a museum in some ways you're, you're responsible right. for a lot of uh, the buildings the fabric the yeah, history so the culture right I yeah mean, if you're if you're a vicar in the church of england you're also responsible for henry the eighth and shakespeare and <laughs> tea on the lawn and, a lot right? of baggage I mean, yeah like <laughs> yeah. so much that you're also responsible for so and true and it's not just church doesn't just mean a group of fellow travelers trying to worship god in spirit and yeah. truth yeah in the name of jesus it means preserving the ideal of englishness <laughs> yes yeah so true so i feel so yeah i i could never I could yeah. never do that job myself, but I also really feel for people who are doing that job. Yeah. But you work for them. You also do. I do. That. <laughs> I do. I know. I mean, there's Anglican churches and then there's Anglican churches. They're not all, they're not all acting as if they're repositories of the English tradition. Some of them are actually acting like churches. No. So. And, and ours is, you know, I would say ours is very, um, it's a lot more progressive and sort yeah. of, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like just running church. any i mean it's a little bit like i i often ask groups i could ask you that as well how can you tell when a group is too big you know how what is your when you look out over a a lot of people as a pastor mm. what's your kind of warning signs that the group has got too big i think when it becomes a burden to pick up the phone to any single person because you're too busy right um you know i have that with a pastor of my my worship team is like 30 30 plus um but I still am at the place where I have like personal relationships with everyone you know yeah. like I'll whatsapp individuals and go for walks with people and go for coffee and I have that kind of level of interaction yeah but I think when that gets lost and it's a lot more like just firing off um you know collective emails or you know group yeah. texts or it's just like oh for ease and because I just don't have time I'm just gonna yeah. fire this off that for me is like yeah. I'm losing my connection to actually the people because it's always about people it's always about individuals you right. know as much as it's team it's like the team is comprised of individuals and I'm, my job is to like know how they're all doing and and that they feel like they have access to me as well um so I think that that for me would be a bit of a sign I mean I I'm very much a kind of small is beautiful kind of person increasingly so yeah because it just comes back to that thing of you know what what is it safe to share and I think you know it there's there's a, also a certain size where it doesn't feel safe to share anymore because right. you're like yeah. um yeah. yeah it just it feels you like you're just going to get lost in the crowd or you're gonna you know you're going to be sharing this with people that you don't really want to share it with you just don't know where the information is going to end up or whatever so i don't know yeah um that makes a lot of sense small, I mean, small is beautiful as our, as our i mean as we're coming in to land here with this yeah. conversation but what are some of the you you mentioned learning having to unlearn some bad habits about your, or having let, letting some things die. Mm. And now you've been talking a little bit about small is beautiful and some of these things. What are some of the, on the horizon do you think are looming? What are some of the new thoughts that you're having or that you're starting to, as some things die, what new things are coming in their place do you think? I'm hoping a more creative and innovative approach. You know, um, I'm just thinking about some of the, maybe some of the big festivals I'll play and you know i don't want to just do like big noisy band anymore like what if i just played a massive festival like just me on the keys or yeah. you know just me with a small group of singers and like mix it up a bit um not not just to like be all clever and like oh controversial but like you know what would that actually do in the room like yeah. if people could actually hear their own voice rather than just a really loud drum kit <laughs> Yeah, right. Because um, I, I also just, I think like people are gagging to sing. Like, I really feel that for the UK, that there is this pent up song. Yeah. And it's not just a song of like, woo, like we made it through. I think it's also a song of like grief. I think it's a song of all of this emotion that has been pent up and I've just been locked in my flat and now I'm in like pour it out. So I cannot wait for that. Like, I'm, I can't wait for like, you know, corporate gathering, gatherings in that sense where it's just we all get to have this huge like yeah. outlet to god together like let's let's go there 
but I'm just like, what's going to facilitate that best? And I, I think it might not be kind of um, the big band thing again. It might be that people just need to lay on the floor and cry for an hour. I don't know. Um, yeah. So yeah, I hope it's I hope it's going to be a more subtle and creative and innovative um, approach that really just thinks about what people are going through and what they need. And yeah, yeah rather than what's you know what's trending or what's trendy well i i'm looking forward to seeing what the new lucy grimble 2.0 is going to post lock set the bar real high now oh gosh yeah if you don't call it truffle pig your next album I, i'm gonna be very disappointed i will retract this interview and cancel everything okay <laughs> lucy thank you so much for coming on oh, this show it's been a real pleasure and me. joy to talk with you and i hope we can talk again soon yeah absolutely thank you Stephen. bye sometimes a song feels so costly and worship takes all that i have in seasons of life where it's hard to see and hard to understand that you are still God in the wilderness, you are still God in the pain, cause you are the God that is with me when all else is stripped away. Still I And I will